Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Truly, you're all we need, Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God. You may be seated. I want to share a little thought with you tonight, and then we're going to come back and maybe sing a few more songs. Have you enjoyed the music tonight? It's been a blessing. I hope you have. I've opened up to Luke chapter 1. I have read and read and read and studied and studied and examined and uh, what a wonderful chapter, Luke chapter 1. I'm always delighted in my spirit to take a second and third look at the power of God's plan the significance, the impact that it has made on mankind. How God, through the mystery of godliness, brought a Savior into this world to do what no one could do. The scripture makes it quite obvious to us when it states the blood of bulls and goats could not take away sin. There was only one sufficient sacrifice. And you know his sacrifice is still good to this day. He will never be outdone. And to see all of this unfolding in this natural realm you look back in Luke chapter 1, I've gotten so many messages from this one chapter. And let's just start with verse 26. Uh, I know we, we hear this at least once a year at Christmas time. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great. And will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be Mary asked the angel since I am a virgin. The angel answered. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the most high will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be barren is in her sixth month. Verse 37 is a highlight of this chapter to me. For nothing 
is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. I have preached message after message as the Lord unfolded several things to my understanding about the fact that nothing is impossible with God. We enter the realm of the supernatural when we think on that level. Because what God does goes far beyond what we can do. Amen. In fact, the scripture indicates he, he can go beyond what we can think or even imagine. Isn't it wonderful to know a God like that? Yes. To have a personal relationship with a God that is not limited in any fashion at all. Amen. So the very first message I can remember preaching on this chapter was that statement, nothing is impossible with God. And I always prefaced, prefaced every message by using the word supernatural. And I began to think, well, this must have to do with the supernatural mind that God gives us. You know, we, our, our thinking has changed. Our, our, our level of thinking has changed. Everything has changed since the Lord came in to be Lord of our life. How many knows the Lord can improve your thinking? Amen. Amen. So after preaching about the supernatural mind, uh, that God does not entertain the impossible, impossible, that's not in his vocabulary. The word impossible is not there. When, when, he, uh, when he gets ready to do something, there's nothing postponing him from doing what he wants to do. So tonight, I want to just explore the thought and the process of renewing our mind with the Lord's Word and call it the supernatural method. The method, the supernatural method. That is the area of developing faith. How many could use some more faith in your life? Amen. Well, that is the title of the supernatural method is actually the word faith. When you boil it down, what the method, the supernatural method is, is the word faith. And I, I deliberately chose this word method to associate with faith, and here's why. The, the meaning of the word method is simply a way of doing something. A way of doing something. Now we all have our individual ways of doing things. Amen. 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 Now, Pastor Sam, he, he does things when he's behind this pulpit his way. Amen. And there's no duplicate of Pastor Sam. Somebody say praise the Lord for that. <laughs> and there's no duplicate of you. You do things your way. But there is a method, a way of faith. I said there's a way of faith. Amen. There's a method. And the reason I use that word method or a way of doing something is because faith is not a state of mind. It's an action. I said faith is an action. You read through the Old Testament, you'll see where Noah constructed an ark. Yeah. Amen. 
Abraham left his home. Jacob blessed his grandsons. Joseph instructed his heirs what to do with his bones, not to leave them in Egypt, but to take them to the promised land. Moses chose to be mistreated so he could associate with the people of God. Joshua marched around Jericho. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego declared to the king that they would not bow down to his image. David fought Goliath on the battlefield. Now often we equate faith with a mental ascent. A mental ascent to the facts. We know what the facts, uh, how, how they exist, what the facts are. And we try to, to kind of muster up faith, to, to move our mind toward faith. But faith, however, is synonymous with action, not just thought. Apart from action, there is no faith. What did James say? Faith without what? Works. Works is dead. dead. In fact, there isn't even a noun form to the word faith in the Hebrew language. Faith is only expressed as a verb because faith never exists apart from action. Amen. How many believe God for your salvation? Just because you believed it didn't mean you got it. You had to come and find it. It's been offered, but you have to take it. Amen? So you found an altar of prayer, whether it was here or somewhere else. You, You put faith in action. You received what was offered. So the supernatural method is the action of faith. Amen. The supernatural method is the action of faith. When I was pastoring in Little Rock, and we were uh, doing our best to put our congregation on a piece of property and in a building we could call home. We had rented storefront buildings. We had rented other church buildings. We would We'd gone from pillar to post. We'd moved seven times. I felt like the children of Israel. (laughs) And we just knew that God had a purpose in all of this, but we had to endure it. I remember one night as the Lord uh, poured out his spirit in the service, and then after the service, I felt a strong prompt, Pastor, to leave and go immediately to a piece of property we were looking at. It was 12 acres right next to the interstate, and we just felt a spiritual connection to this property. The Lord said, I want you to go out there, and I want you to walk around the property and pray. Well, the people that owned it were still running cows on that property. That's the night I learned how to watch and pray. And I truly believe if I had not been obedient to that word, 
that the progress would have ended that night. But I had to put some action to my faith. Apart from action, faith is dead. In Hebrews chapter 11, the supernatural method is outlined in detail. I want you to go home and read the entire chapter of Hebrews chapter 11. There's a long list of people who enlisted this supernatural method and experienced a supernatural result. Included in this chapter is a brief outline of Abraham who we call the father of faith. In just a few verses, we get an insight on how God grew Abraham's faith. I want you to, to really hone in on this. I believe it will help you. We will see from this example how God intends to grow our faith just like he did for Abraham. I want to divide Abraham's journey of faith into three levels. Every level will be in direct contrast to natural logic. How many knows that God doesn't need our logic? Amen. Amen. The first level of Abraham's journey of faith, I like to call it blind faith. Blind faith. That's the first level. Abraham, by faith, the Bible said, when was called to go out into a place which he should, after receive for an inheritance, obey. And he went out not knowing whether he went. So he had no idea where he was going. It was blind faith. He was just going to follow in the direction God had sent him. But what does God say in his word about this? In Romans chapter 10 verse 17, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Don't ever be afraid to step out on something God said. Amen? Amen. And the more instruction Abraham received and the more instruction that he followed, the more word he heard from God. And God promoted him to the next level based upon his obedience. And the next level, level two, was illogical faith. He went from blind faith, not knowing where he was going, to simply obeying the word of God to to illogical faith. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 9 says, By faith he sojourned in the land of promise, as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundations whose builder and maker is God. Now as far as logic is concerned, there were times of questionable purpose. I'm sure in the middle of the desert there were questions that breezed by his mind. Questionable direction. Am I going the right way? How many have questioned the direction that God has put your journey on sometimes? Amen. But what does Proverbs tell us in chapter 3? Just trust the Lord with all thine heart and lean not to thine own understanding, but in all thy ways acknowledge him and he will what? Direct thy path. Hallelujah. So on to illogical faith. And number three is warranted faith. He made it to the state of warranted faith. Hebrews 11, 11 says, 
Through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. Oh, thank God for those promises. They're not intangibles. They are reality, the promise of God. Warranted faith is based upon the faithfulness of God. And God has never, never failed to fulfill anything that he's promised. If he said he was going to do it, you can count on it. It's going to be done. God promised to give Abraham and Sarah a son. The promise seemed irrational. It seemed impossible. But based upon the other promises God had already fulfilled in Abraham's life, Abraham didn't need blind faith anymore. And he didn't need irrational faith anymore. He had grown into warranted faith. And he simply said, if God has said it, I'm just going to believe it. Psalms 37, 5 says, Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. Somebody say that. Isaiah 46, 11, God said, Yea, I have spoken. I will also bring it to pass. I have purposed it. I will also do it. Somebody shout amen for that. Now, just like in our life, just like in your life, just like in Abraham's life, there are things that get in the way of our faith. They try and stop our action. Right. Yeah. And the antagonist of Abraham and Sarah's faith was something called time. T-I-M-E. Time was the antagonist. God first promised Abraham a son when he was 75 years old. God reiterated his promise when Abraham was 85 years old. Waiting 10 years for God to fulfill his promise prompted Abraham and Sarah to help God's promise. Hey, yeah. How'd that work out for him? Not well. You know, everyone in this building has the ability to preempt God's supernatural plan by our impatience and doing things our way. Amen? Amen. So Abraham and Sarah, they accomplished having a son through Abraham or through Sarah's handmaiden, but he was not the heir of promise. God made it perfectly clear. Their interference in God's plan produced an Ishmael. Yep. I wonder how many Ishmaels we've produced. <laughs> oh, that's pretty good preaching. <laughs> the world is still paying for Abraham and Sarah's mistake. I think about it every time I go to the airport and pull off my shoes. Come on. <laughs> And here's what the angel of the Lord told Sarah's handmaiden, Hagar. The angel of the Lord said to her, Behold, thou art with child, and shall bear a son, and shall call his name Ishmael, because the Lord hath heard thy affliction. And he will be a wild man. Like I saw him on TV last night. His hand will be against every man. And every man's hand against him. 
and he shall dwell in the presence of all of his brethren. Do you know that Ishmael is recognized as an important prophet and patriarch of Islam? Muslims believe that Ishmael was the firstborn of Abraham, born to him from his second wife, Hagar. Ishmael is recognized by Muslims as the ancestor of several prominent Arab tribes and being the forefather of Muhammad. Thank you, Abraham and Sarah. <laughs> so even with warranted faith, it's possible to dilute the blessings of God through impatience. Yeah. Right. Here is Abraham, 99 years old, receiving another word from God concerning the original promise that God gave him. Chapter 17 of Genesis, verse 17 says, Abraham fell face down. He laughed and said to himself, Will a son be born to a man 100 years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the age of 90? But this time, God told Abraham something he's never said before. He says, I'm going to introduce you to myself. I'm going to use a different name that I've ever named myself before. In the past, God spoke to Abraham as Jehovah, the self-existent eternal one. But now God is speaking to Abraham under a name that Abraham had not heard before. God says, I am El Shaddai, which means Almighty One. Yes. The one that can do anything. Yeah. The one that can do the impossible. The one that Gabriel said, for with God nothing shall be impossible. The one who can make the crooked paths straight. Yes. The one who can make a way where there is no way. Right. The one that can do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think. Yes. The one who can part the Red Sea and rain manna from heaven and fight your battles for you. Right. The one who will conquer your enemies, who will rain fire from heaven, who can send a deluge from a cloud the size of a man's hand. Right. That's the God that said, I am El Shaddai, the Almighty One. The one who can destroy entire cities and raise up nations. The one who's louder than thunder but can speak in a still, yeah. small voice. The one who can hide his glory in a dark cloud and yet reveal his glory to his anointed servants. The one that can stop the rotation of the earth so that the sun and the moon appears to stand still. The one who can tear down nations and raise up kings. Sometimes the Lord has to remind us that he is everything that we want and everything that we need. Can you shout amen? Amen. El Shaddai, the Lord God Almighty. He's known as Jehovah Nisi, the Lord my banner. Sometimes I need him to be Jehovah Ra, the Lord my ship. Sometimes I need him to be Jehovah Rapha, the Lord 
that heals. Sometimes he needs to be Jehovah Shammah. The Lord is here. Hallelujah. Sometimes Jehovah Tiskanu, the Lord, our righteousness. Or Jehovah Jireh, the Lord that will provide what we need. Or Jehovah Shalom, the Lord who is our peace. Or Jehovah Shabbat, which means the Lord, our host. It doesn't matter what situation we might find ourselves in. We have a God that we can depend on. And we have a name that we can call on that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. And every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You might be like Moses. And don't understand everything that you're going to need. And then the Lord says, you can just call me I am. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Hallelujah. I am whatever you might possibly need. I like that. The supernatural method employs faith in a supernatural God. I'm just asking you tonight, are you ready for your faith to grow? Can I read it one more time? Romans 10, 17. Faith cometh by hearing, uh-huh. and hearing by the word of the Lord. Word of the Lord. Yeah. Aren't you glad about that? Amen. So Abraham grew from blind faith, in other words, obeying the commandments to leave her, to irrational faith, followed directions to his destination, and then he grew on to warranted faith. Believe God's promise to do the impossible based on the fact that God has never failed to do what he said he would do. Yes. My God yeah. can do Amen. anything. Uh-huh. Anything is anything. <coughs> My God can do anything. How many believe that's the truth? Amen. Dottie Rimbaud said, wrote, wrote a, a, a wonderful lyric. If I can remember all of it. He measured the sea in the span of his hand. Mountains were placed at his command. And at the sound of his voice, the sun came Shining through, there's nothing, yes, no, nothing that my God can't do. Yes, there's nothing, no, nothing, there's nothing. That my God can't do. Miracles and wonders. There's nothing. 